Data for Future, episode 15. In the episode last week, we had the pleasure to talk with Jordi Oliver among how corporates nowadays are intertwining data and sustainability into their day-to-day operation, what projects they are taking on, and how they are accessing their operation to trim down their impact on the environment. Today, we are going to continue this conversation from a fresh perspective with more deep dive cases with Keith Nelson. We are going to learn why corporates nowadays are achieving carbon zero. However, they are still the biggest polluters in the field. And what should be changed? What's the fundamental way to transition into a more sustainable future? Without further ado, let's dive in. Welcome to Data for Future officially, Keith. And to start off, why don't you give us a brief introduction about what are you dedicating in? If I'm going to describe you to our audience, it would be you're very international. You work in five different continents. You speak multiple languages, and with the big profile companies, you also work as doctor, consultancy, and you also work with schools. Tell us a bit more about you. Okay, sure. First off, thanks very much. It's it's great to be here. It's interesting and fun.、Um, yeah, my name is Keith Nelson. I'm from Boston in the United States, but I've been based out of Barcelona for seven or ten years now.、Um, it's true. I'm very lucky in that I've been able to work internationally for a big part of my career, and I've always been focused on trying to achieve social impact or sustainability outcomes,、um, but with a focus on business operations. So、uh, I've worked in a lot of different organizations, NGOs like Doctors Without Borders. Although I'm I'm definitely not a doctor, I did logistics with them.、Okay. Um, And international development projects、um, in Central Asia and、uh, throughout the world, the Middle East,、um, and then working with private sector sector companies as well, doing、uh, supply chain consulting and optimization. So、um, yeah, I'm very fortunate that I've been able to travel a lot. It's exciting, and also、um, initially it was hard for me to find a, like a niche or an expertise. To have an impact for social objectives, and then eventually by participating in a lot of projects like the operational role,、um, sort of finance, purchasing, logistics,、mm-hmm. and supply chain became my niche,、mm-hmm. and now I'm like quite specialized in it, and、uh, I feel really lucky. It's great. Super. So let's dive right in. To connect your working experience and highlight the aspects of、mm-hmm. data and sustainability within them,、mm-hmm. can you give us some example of the projects you've been working on、mm-hmm. that's targeting on sustainability, but like using a lot of technology to enable this process? Okay, sure. Yeah, I'd say、um, in general, whatever kind of work I'm doing,、um, the companies or organizations always have an increasing amount of data that they need to to manage, and that can be a challenge for them or also an opportunity.、Um, like currently, I'm doing a project with a transportation company that has an enormous amount of data about、uh, what they're transporting and the speeds and the times,、um, and even the the carbon dioxide footprint of of each.、Um, Movement, but it's a challenge for them to process and work with that data.、Um, and in that sense, it's sort of low-hanging fruit,、uh, like opportunities for sustainability that maybe didn't exist previously. And now we can identify them and optimize them.、Um, little changes, but actually, when we're working with industrial scales,、uh, it has a big impact. So.、Mm-hmm. 
super interesting. What really brought my attention here is from my experience, I usually work with startups and small-scale company. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I come from a background of data. Sure. So all this time, my problem difficulty was how where do we find the data how do we start to the collection process but i think given your experience um you work with more bigger profiles mm -hmm. as companies have more experience they always already have a catalog for data so it's very fascinating but like why do you think companies haven't used them yet and why are they thinking about using them out especially in terms of sustainability mm -hmm. and what where do you see as you said it's a low-hanging fruit yeah. and it do you see some trends and opportunities in the space okay mm -hmm. yeah. um let's see yeah, i'd say the organizations i work with do tend to have a lot of data um, mostly because they realize that uh, obviously the tendencies for business um, are going towards digital business models. Mm -hmm. So traditional companies and organizations are trying to work towards digital models. Um, and of course, a lot of new companies are starting in a purely digital business model. Um, so that said, these companies will have ERPs, like enter enterprise um, platforms for finance or purchasing, mm -hmm. where they're automatically and increasingly for legal reasons, capturing lots of data, but tons of data, more than they can handle or mm -hmm. even want to be able to handle. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess that's the reason why they increasingly have this data available, because they're moving to digital models. Mm -hmm. um, and why are they not utilizing it more? Because it's difficult to get these traditional companies to move in that direction, and it hasn't been part of their business model in the past. Like a big uh, food and beverage company has, you know, their focus on producing and distributing food, and they never thought of themselves in that way previously. So it's, um, yeah, it's sort of a mental change, but also a skill set change. Okay. I mean, people in these companies. Um, they don't see their job as being finding new opportunities or finding value on the basis of data analysis. You know, they see their job as delivering the product, producing the product. Mm -hmm. Cool. Then let's dive deep, even deeper on that because you mentioned how they use data to identify their sustainability status and to achieve more goals. What data are we talking about here? Like specifically, if all given all the big company, they have all the resources available and they can make good use of them, which are the things they could turn into to start this process? Okay. Um, first off, I should say that um, I don't mean to imply that most companies are using data for sustainability purposes. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's sort of the angle I'm trying to go with it. But a lot of companies, obviously, sustainability might be one of their priorities or they might promote it as one of their priorities, but that's not their main objective, which is obviously making making money, of course, mm -hmm. uh, and achieving value for their, for their clients. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that one reason why they're not doing it is because they don't have the the skill set that's designed for that. Like, you need a very particular profile, somebody that um, understands the business, mm -hmm. but also is very skilled in working with the data analysis. And that's not a common profile. I mean, somebody has the business skills to know what's valuable in terms of being able to commercialize a product, mm -hmm. um, but also can work with data to achieve that it's not a it's a blended profile let's say okay 
I think maybe that might be your profile, <laughs> but it and maybe it's becoming more common. But it's something that companies really need. Mm-hmm. I I do have developed my skill set among business and data analytics, but mm-hmm. I think one area it's not that common to see is sustainability. Mm-hmm. Like people have this intersection is kind of rare to fi- find. Yeah. But I do have many friends and know a lot of. Professionals around me, they want to start to dive their career deeper in sustainability. Mm. Do you see, like, how do people do that process, do that transition, if they have the will? Okay, um, so I think you can approach that very directly. I mean, uh, you don't need for the position to be created, like a position that requests. Uh, you to address sustainability and um, you know some kind of business profile. I think you're just going to enter into businesses and sort of make that the reality of your job, especially younger generations. Um, I mean, I don't think you're going to find like uh, jobs advertise that they're asking for somebody to do data analytics for sustainability. Maybe a few of them, but I think you're very much going to create that space. Um, so. But also, I'm going to try and speak more specifically. I, I don't know to yes. what extent I should be like naming clients. So I guess you, you I'll, I'll can. You can. That would okay. be the more detailed, the better. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if that's fair to my clients, actually. But you can um, anonymize them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, okay. So I want to talk about this transportation company that I'm working with. So this is a very traditional sector, uh, and they provide a service which is totally necessary, but also the contamination produced by transportation is really disproportionate. I'm talking about road transportation, right? We depend on this, especially in Spain, like, uh, the, the food sector, the, the supply of foods to supermarkets wouldn't be possible in Spain without ground transport. So it's very necessary, and the government recognizes that. Um, like during coronavirus, this is one of the sectors that was just like uh, left totally untouched by the government because it's it's necessary. But um, the European government and the IPCC um, recognize that they need a massive drawdown on transport uh, emissions, like up to fifty percent by by twenty fifty twenty sixty. So. Okay. Uh, this is a radical change, obviously. And so how are they working towards that? Right now, they can make a lot of like efficiency changes, um, which is something that I'm quite interested in. But it's they're not going to get all the way there just with increasing their efficiency. They're going to have to like change their business model and incorporate like uh, electric vehicles, uh, for example. So what do you mean here by efficiency? Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm interested in sustainability being embedded in business models and operating models. So what does that mean? Like a company says that they're going to um, reduce their carbon dioxide. That's great. But a lot of companies will, what they'll in fact do is offset their carbon dioxide, right? Yeah. So they keep emitting, but they offset it. And they really haven't changed their business at all. And they're still producing those emissions. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's not valuable, but I'm saying that's not what interests me. Mm-hmm. What interests me is that they change the way their business operates. Mm-hmm. Right? So how do they make uh, and deliver their products? Yes. Uh, that's, that's the operating model, and that's where I try, try to work with companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, or how do they change their business model, which is how do they generate value for customers? 
Yeah, I absolutely agree. Like that, as we see today, a lot of companies they claim they're carbon neutral, zero, or even negative, but、yeah. they didn't change anything they do. They only pay a bit more of their revenue to compensate from wherever source they can find, and sometimes. Even worse, yet they don't even know the source they are paying for. Is it really that green, or is purely greenwashing? So I definitely agree with your philosophy here, and I think there definitely lies a big space for companies to trim up their operation, make it more efficient, thus be more environmental friendly.、Mm-hmm. So if we can come back to the transportation case you were talking about,、um, the, here the efficiency for them would be to improve their logistics or to change their trucks.、Mm-hmm. What what kind of what specific aspects are we talking about here?、Sure. Okay, so there's a lot of changes that they can make, and we sort of did a, an analysis to see which could be applied. But a lot of the changes are related to the trucks and aerodynamics, changing the wheels, changing the the kinds of motors that the trucks have.、Uh, so this is quite interesting, but it involves a lot of investment.、Mm-hmm. A lot of the impact that we can have has to do with changing the way they drive the vehicle. So this is interesting, and this is really where data comes in because they have GPS systems in all of the trucks.、Okay. So it's a very traditional sector and sort of a very traditional job profile. But they have an enormous amount of data about the speed of the trucks, and the location of the trucks, and the weight of what they're carrying,、mm-hmm. um, and sort of their their performance when they're braking and things like that. So we've got massive data sets, and we're trying to identify, you know, which of these. Uh, indicators related to how they're driving make an impact in terms of fuel consumption, which is the same as carbon dioxide、uh, emissions. Right, by reducing fuel consumption, they reduce their carbon dioxide emissions. Yeah. So this is a really big data set, and it's interesting to work with because most of the things that we think should have a direct impact on、uh, emissions are sort of、um, hard to get a hold of in the data. But once we can identify that causality, then it's something we can pinpoint and work with the drivers on to try and get them to change. And it has really quite a significant impact. So again, these are like small changes, but at an industrial scale, we're talking about like mitigating the emissions of an enormous amount of carbon dioxide.、Uh-huh. So, so what have we discovered in the data with this specific case?、Hmm. Okay.、Uh, So I would say what we've discovered in this specific case is that we have maybe even too much data,、um, and a lot of data that we need to filter out and separate, like separate the the signal from the noise,、mm-hmm. in order to see what we really need to be working with and to、uh, to optimize. And I think that's the challenge they've had until now, and hopefully it's the impact that my company will have because they already have all of this data,、mm-hmm. and certainly the drivers know they need to be efficient. But it's a matter of sort of demonstrating causality. And focusing on what really、um, can make a difference,、mm-hmm. and then working with them to change、uh, the way they're operating, change their behavior in small ways,、okay. and also getting them excited about it, giving them a motivation to do that.、Okay. Um, but yeah, what have we found out about the data? There's a lot of it. the The causality that we we're expecting is not always obvious or clear.、Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, and I'd say it's it's fascinating to see that a company from such a traditional sector is sort of like awash with data, like much more data and much more opportunity than I would have expected for a traditional company. So. 
Interesting. That's definitely a very fresh perspective, and take us on a tour, like of the real cases happening. Yeah. Uh, I know from your experience, you've been in consulting in sustainability almost all your career, mm-hmm. and based on your experience, you, you're more focused on supply chain. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this transportation case is part of the supply chain, sure. yeah, but do you have uh, any other examples and cases you want to share? Like co- companies nowadays, in general, if they think about sustainability, what are some quick wins that almost every company can adopt? And what are some data and technologies they can take advantage of to help them to behave better? or? to achieve a higher efficiency, per se. Okay, in that case, I'd like to speak about a project I did with Coca-Cola, which is um, it was called Control Tower Technology, mm-hmm. where you try to see the entire supply chain um, end-to-end in real time. So this is fascinating because the supply chain is made up of you know um, purchasing and production and distribution warehouses and reaching the final customer. Mm-hmm. And obviously, that's a lot of moving parts, yeah. and each sort of segment of the supply chain has visibility over what they're doing, but that doesn't generate value in and of itself. Like the value comes from um, the end-to-end performance of the supply chain. And even in like a very powerful company like Coca-Cola, one silo can't really see what the other is doing. Yeah, and they make trade-off decisions. Like uh, let's say in production, the the best way they can get value from their equipment is to have it operating constantly, right? Because okay. they spent a lot of money in this equipment. Um, they finance that equipment in order to recuperate the value that's expected. They need to produce a certain amount, right? So the best decision for them is to produce as much as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then the let's think of the logistics and warehousing function. They can't necessarily receive uh, all of the product that manufacturing wants to make. Yeah. So they have different objectives there. And the logistics team is going to lose value if they can't protect and store and move that that product. So in, in this project, um, which we worked with a quite advanced um, artificial intelligence platform called Ira, um, which is a company uh, based in, the Fr- in France and in the US, uh, this gives you visibility in real time of all of those elements of the supply chain, sort of like a, um, like a stock ticker where you can see the prices moving up and down all at once. So it transforms the company from seeing things like uh, in snapshots, like this week we're doing this or this month we're doing this, to seeing everything in real time. Okay. Uh, which is quite a dramatic change because you think of your company as being something sort of static and you can analyze it from different points in time. But this is a different perspective where you see your company as something organic and constantly moving. Yes. Uh-huh. So in some sense, like you have to make much more challenging decisions because it's not like, okay, we're here and this is what's happening and I can do this mm-hmm. because things are fluctuating constantly. Like now this warehouse is full. Now this uh, production line has, has dropped. Yes. Um, now this client is asking for something that we're unable to deliver. Maybe we could switch it over here. So mm-hmm. everything starts moving much more quickly, almost too quickly to the point where customers have said, okay, this is interesting, but we don't want this because the, our team is not uh, organized in order to handle this like speed. Yeah. But there's so much opportunity there. I mean, if they can take advantage of shifting things in real time, it's an amazing opportunity. Like amazing efficiency gains. You're not going to produce more than you need to. Mm -hmm. You can move product from one place to another much more quickly. Um, Yeah, but this is challenging because companies, 
are not accustomed to working that way. Uh, they're not organized to work that way. Like, whose job is it to see that data moving in real time? It's not one person's job. Mm -hmm. And they need to make trade-offs between each other. Yes. Like, who's right and who's wrong between the the manufacturing team and the distribution team? Yeah, like, yeah. neither one is right or wrong, but it's about providing the overall best value. Mm -hmm. uh, and that requires, like, a transversal view that it's really hard to have employees that can see and can think in a transversal way, mm -hmm. right? So I think that's like sort of the new profile that I think younger generations are gonna be accustomed to being able to see things in real time in a transversal way that hasn't existed much yet. Yeah. But for sustainability, uh, there's, you know, and I spoke with that company about how can this be applied for sustainability gains. Mm -hmm. And of course it could be, I mean, it could be applied in, in so many ways, but yeah, you've got to identify organizations that are really ready to work with that. When, when I think of NGOs, for example, I mean, NGOs do amazing work and compared to governments or companies, they're the organizations that can sort of be the, the truest or the purest in their focus and in what they're trying to accomplish. So they have like this relative strength, but they have a relative weakness and that their employees change rather quickly and are constantly being pulled away to jobs that pay more money. Right. So like, how do we, we find an NGO that's really going to be able to make full use of this kind of technology mm -hmm. when they need like really, really skilled, really dedicated employees um, that understand the business in detail and the needs of their beneficiaries in detail. Mm -hmm. It's, um, I think it's just not mature enough yet, but in 10 years or, show, or so, it, it should be. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess it's another example of like, these organizations are like a wash in data. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I don't think they're ready to make the most of it yet. Okay. And also I would say I don't think the technology is really ready because it's not, I'm not talking about IRA, which is quite mm -hmm. user-friendly, I'll say, but as you know, a lot of these technologies are just not uh, user-friendly mm -hmm. or just not mature enough yet that they're providing the value that these organizations need. Okay. Hmm. No, that's definitely a very fascinating perspective i couldn't agree more when you say it's more about <coughs> companies developing a more transversal um, perspective about their business operation which is also this applies to data as well nowadays company have data but is sitting inside of every department and However, if that data is being shared, once they break the data silo, they can achieve so much more and trim down ext extremely like high margin of their cost. So definitely, definitely good um, agree on that. And in terms of sustainability, we can see a majority room for in improvement. Mm -hmm. Another perspective you mentioned is how right now companies are not necessarily investing too much on sustainability because they just don't have, they're not there yet. It's not urgent yet for them to act. Everyone knows, okay, maybe we should do something, but then there is not enough push for them to start. And we do have regulations coming into the market and then consumers are asking for more. But let's say for NGOs, they simply just couldn't dedicate the initial investment because they don't see the specific gain they're gonna get. I guess, do you think the problem here is how we can quantify the gain when businesses transform mm -hmm. and 
since you're in consultancy in sustainability, what really motivates those companies to contract you and work with you? Mm. Mm. Okay, so sustainability is currently like a second or third level decision-making factor for most companies. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not a criticism. I mean, these companies exist to produce value for themselves and for their clients. But um, so their their first motivation is to produce money and to provide value. Um, and then all things being equal, if they can produce money, they will do it the best they can and achieve sustainability. But sustainability wouldn't come first in that equation. Mm-hmm. So how do we work with those companies? That becomes like an operating model issue of efficiency. Like if we can use data to show them, look, you can do the same thing uh, in a more efficient way. Like you could change the route that you're driving just slightly, or you could change this aerodynamic element of your vehicle just slightly. Uh, you make a small investment in that. And over five years, you get payback and much more. So you're reducing carbon dioxide but also there's a a cost savings for you. So with traditional companies, um, it's about efficiency within the operating model and efficiency usually aligns with sustainability gains. But then for new companies, uh, we hope and expect to see them orienting their business model towards sustainability from the beginning. I mean, that's certainly what you would do or what my company is doing. Like this is our focus. We're trying to generate value on the basis of sustainability Mm -hmm. rather than sort of tagging sustainability on as a secondary or or third level factor. Yes. So I think, um, I guess it's hard to conceive of what those business models will look like, but they're increasingly common and they're companies that are based in the digital space and focused on sustainability, which are increasingly common. um, But I guess it's still early to say which are going to be most successful in generating that that value. Mm -hmm. Or maybe our concept of value, hopefully our concept of value is going to change and our concept of what these organizations are designed to do is going to change. Yeah. I think that's pretty hopeful within at least the millennial generation and after, especially with the new movements after the COVID situation, everyone seems to be more aware. They start to gain more perspective in that sense. Hopefully we can see, as you said, companies when they start, they they plot sustainability into their genes rather than later try to adopt a new habit, which is quite difficult to change what is already established. So let's um, sum this up with some introduction information about your company and your consultancy. Would you like to give us some information about what kind of projects you are working on and what kind of uh, cases can you take on if company want to develop more sustainability, sustainable business models? Okay, sure. Thanks for that. Yeah, so my company is called New Day International Consulting. Um, We're focused on supply chain consulting um, for sustainability outcomes. So that means changing the operating model to derive more financial value and to achieve sustainability outcomes, which means reducing plastic or reducing CO2. And also we're focused on supply chain transparency, uh, supported by a lot of different software platforms. And also, of course, companies are constantly asking us about blockchain, which is something I'm happy to speak about um, but also about the limitations because I think there's a lot of more practical things that companies can do to clean up their supply chains in a much more direct and 
uh, low-hanging fruit-oriented oriented way. Um, so I work with companies from a variety of sectors, but um, with a heavy focus on the supply chain. Like, what are they purchasing? How are they producing it? Uh, how are they distributing it? Mm-hmm. Um, like, recently you worked with Inedit, I think. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're very much on the design aspect. Yes. Um, so I'm very much doing operational consulting, but I think more about um, production, distribution, purchasing in that space. Okay. Um, yeah. And I guess I'd also like to speak about what you said about um, people seem to be more aware of sustainability issues. Mm-hmm. I agree. It seems like people are increasingly aware of this, but I'm really not seeing the level of changes that we would expect. Like, I don't see a tipping point yet. Yeah. I mean, we can see in the, the environment or in terms of like social justice outcomes or like income inequality, we can see massive tipping points that were way past them. And definitely in terms of the environment as well, like a lot of the climate change tipping points have probably already been passed. Mm -hmm. But in terms of uh, awareness or in terms of people doing something about what they're aware of, like I I don't see that we've achieved a meaningful tipping point because companies are still focused on producing value in the same way, which again is not a criticism. I think it's a a matter of the generation that's working in these businesses Mm -hmm. and they've done great and amazing things and developed a lot of value also. Like I don't mean to be critical in an abstract or detached way. Like the the social changes that have occurred in the last 60 or 70 years, uh, including especially in China, have been amazing and have brought more people out of poverty Mm -hmm. than anything we could have intentionally designed. And that was purely market forces. I mean, that was capitalism that did a lot of that. I mean, capitalism with uh, mixed characteristics. Mm -hmm. But so the market does important things and can develop uh, very important social impact results. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm I'm not sure to what extent I see companies really um, in the majority turning towards sustainability. Mm -hmm. Definitely, I see companies um, speaking more about sustainability. But whether or not they're really integrating it and doing something about it, I, I think that's that's mixed and mm-hmm. something a bit more uh, sensitive. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, sure, definitely awareness and action, mm-hmm. they're not necessarily together. <laughs> uh, but if a company mm-hmm. wanna start, they're aware and they wanna start taking action, mm-hmm. what sides of the company do you work with? Okay, so uh, as I said, I usually work with uh, supply chains. So that means like how can they produce uh, and distribute and and sell their products more effectively um, in terms of its environmental impact. So I have companies that know they're using too much packaging and what can they do about that, which is directly related to cost also, or know they're producing too much CO2 and what can they do about that. Um, So this is very much getting involved with the nuts and bolts of, um, you know, how they're producing things and where they're distributing it to and how and it's there's usually a lot of opportunity to optimize those things and companies respond to it because it usually is aligned with cost savings so Uh, maybe i'm just curious because as an consumer and as also someone who works in the e-commerce space now i'm doing consultancy for an e-commerce company in terms of packaging, mm-hmm. a lot of people argue, okay, we should change and discard everything about plastic, we should go for paper or go for glass. But is it always the right answer to ditch plastic? And then when you, for, from all your research and experience, what are some standard you think like the top choices usually appear to be when companies try to trans- do that transition? Mm. Um, 
Yeah, so that's a tricky one because the sort of the the impulse is to say that they shouldn't be using plastic. Um, and I think that there's a lot of opportunity to reduce plastic in terms of making plastic containers lighter um, or designing them to be collected, which might actually uh, mean making them more sturdy, but with more standardized characteristics and a better logistics system to, to pick them back up. Okay. But it's not as easy as saying they shouldn't use plastic, they should use glass because glass is heavier. So depending on the distance, it can have more of a carbon dioxide footprint print and then of course aluminum can be recycled very effectively and it's light but production of aluminum does a lot of environmental damage mm -hmm. so there's like a complex evaluation behind that and it's not a simple decision so but I think there's a lot of innovation in packaging and yeah um, I mean I'd love to see that move more quickly especially in terms of regulation like I think once the regulation shifts mm -hmm. sustainable packaging is, is gonna happen quite quickly I think there's a lot of opportunities there mm -hmm. but the companies won't make that jump until they're pushed by regulators yeah. but okay. I mean yeah it's sort of a chicken and egg issue because especially for food production if there's not sufficient high quality packaging alternatives to plastic mm -hmm. then there could be a lot of food waste which is worse so mm -hmm. there's no simple answer to that but i think there's a lot of space to work with companies to optimize that i mean if you walk into any supermarket the the volume of plastic is amazing and scary. And the fact that they're not moving away from that. I mean, everybody in the supply chain has a role to play in reducing plastic from the consumers who obviously we can change what we choose to buy to the supermarkets that can have regulations about what they're selling. I mean, they have a um, bottleneck position where they could regulate what comes to their store or how they sell it with um, you know reusable or refillable options. Um, which can drive a lot of value for them. The packaging companies themselves, which are sort of uh, agnostic with respect to what they produce for their, like packaging companies might not even care if they're producing a cardboard or plastic mm -hmm. or aluminum. They're producing what their clients ask for. For sure. So they of course have a role. And then of course, um, the companies in designing their product and thinking about how they wanna produce value. Okay, so we were just sp speaking about the extent to which companies are really making the shift towards sustainability. And there's definitely a number of financial drivers for that, including investments. Like lots of rating companies will say that, um, like the Dow Jones Sustainability Index reflects the fact that companies are, that are most advanced in terms of sustainability are those that get, uh, you know, the least expensive access to new financing, um, which is, true but um so is this really a change towards a sustainable a new sustainable model or are these just the companies that are big enough and powerful enough to adapt most effectively towards the the ratings um if you look at the companies that are on the dow jones sustainability index these are some of the companies that like have the worst environmental footprints in the world and they're the sustainability leaders so what does it mean to be a sustainability leader in that case it means like you've got a terrible environmental record uh and by making small changes, you mitigate your, your negative impact in such a way that people say, wow, good job. But is that really a, a good job? So I'm not certain that that's what, 
we should think of in terms of sustainability. And it's definitely true that now investors increasingly include sustainability criteria when they're deciding what to invest in, but that's very much a gray space because how do you define those ratings? And I know you guys know more about that than I do and you've worked uh, with uh, interviews with other companies that are specifically focused on that, but it's very much a gray space and uh, ratings have to be applied in context. Like I, I don't think that's a simple issue. I think there's a lot of companies that go unrecognized for making much more important changes or even making financial commitments and sacrifices that yeah, go unrecognized relative to some of these big companies that do something small, which uh, doesn't represent much of a commitment or a change for them. I think it's new companies that are going to make a change. I think the big companies are going to be forced to change by regulation and by like uh, newcomers that challenge their business model with something that's inherently sustainable, such as like Tap Water, the Barcelona company that produces the the water filters. You know, challenging companies that are claiming to be very sustainable because they they produce bottled water, but then they make the bottles thinner, so they're using less plastic, and everyone celebrates that as like a big achievement. But is that really a big achievement? I mean. If they wanted to make a financial commitment, they could. They could make a sacrifice and really change your business model to mitigate their environmental impact, but they're not choosing to do that. So that's the distinction I'm trying to make between like, great, you're a sustainability leader because you're reducing your plastic output, but you could do so much more if they really integrated it in their business model and they choose not to do that. So um, not a criticism because they are designed to produce uh, value for themselves and their shareholders, but it's not the business model that I hope will be dominant in the future. Mm -hmm. Mm. Super interesting. Um, as we're kicking the clock here mm -hmm. if people want to continue this conversation with you mm -hmm. what's the best way they can find you and how should they get in touch okay um i would say through my website which is newdayinternationalconsulting.com okay. uh, or you can look me up on linkedin but yeah i'm happy to work with companies that are committed to making a real change in their operating model or in their business model because there is a lot that can be achieved and usually it has a positive uh, business case in the short term. Usually they can get a good financial return. Uh, and also because we're committed to achieving these changes, like my company is designed to achieve a, a certain amount of carbon dioxide mitigation and plastic reduction, and we need partners to do that. Um, I mean, we can't, we're a consulting company, so we don't have that impact. We need to work with traditional companies mm -hmm. that want to make that difference. And that's, we're eager to work with companies that are truly committed to making those changes um so if if that's the profile of a company then please reach out okay cool thank you very much kiss and that wraps up our episode today for data for future i hope you enjoyed the conversation with kiss as we did we're truly happy that every week as we interview more people, we grow our audience space, we are expanding this circle and awareness around us for data and sustainability. If you have enjoyed it along with us, please feel free to support us with your feedback comments, but also become our patrons to help us to build this community even bigger. Data for Future, we'll see you next episode.